Ola. <laughs> well, it was a pretty, pretty good week, don't you guys think? The Canadian men's national team off to the semifinals for the first time since 2007 after a comprehensive win over Costa Rica. Canadian women's national team went undefeated in their group and are into the Olympic quarterfinals. And uh, your Toronto FC undefeated in four straight matches. Uh, this is a rather celebratory edition of Waking the Red Weekly presented by Footy Talks then. My name is Mitchell Tierney. Ahead on this week's show, of course, we'll chat at length about both national teams and the latest on Toronto FC. Jeffrey Pinesker, Michael Singh, wild week of football. Doesn't look like it's uh, it's slowing down anytime soon. It gets even crazier this week. Wild week of sport, man. Who's who's actually awake here? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I lasted until what? I think the, the men's semis in, in surfing and then woke up about... Two hours ago on the couch, nobody bothered me. I guess I fell. I guess I fell really asleep. I know uh, you two uh, got up for the uh, for the Canadian women's national team because I saw how busy the Slack chat was uh, while I was sleeping. So um, yeah, yeah. I'm wondering. I'm wondering which one of us may may fall asleep in the middle of the show. My, I'm, I'm <laughs> My guessing... laptop might be the first one, Jeff. I'm yeah, having boy. some uh, some technical difficulties here. Let's call I, you it. Know, but you know. You know. You know. Right. Mike, wa- watching you get ready in 15 nanoseconds while we were doing the uh, the WTR <laughs> opening was amazing. Like watching you zoom your camera and set everything up. You are a pro star at this, my friend. Uh, how's your weekend? How's everybody's uh, weekend? Yeah, so I just missed like what you just said because my laptop cut out again. But was all right. I was I was kind of I was kind of making fun of you. I was chirping at you a little bit, but we'll just uh, we'll okay, ignore good. it. We'll ignore. Happy yeah, the yeah, laptop yeah. knows. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I got it fixed though. Everything seems to be back in order. Um, Sweet. Weekend, man. Weekend was great. Such a jam-packed action of, you know, Canada soccer, TFC. Jeff, you and I did a Twitter Spaces that oh, yeah. went on Forgot for about, about almost two hours just yep, because there was true. just so much to talk about, right? Uh, yep. Just overall, just I think we can all come away from that weekend with, you know, TFC winning. The Canadian women's national team are through. But, Canadian men's national team are through to the semifinals for the first time since 2007. There's there's just so much buzz right now happening in Canada soccer. I know I've been asked personally just to do a bunch of hits for a lot of media stations, and I feel like I've done more hits in the last two weeks combined than I have in probably my entire career just because there's such a buzz now, now around, uh, around the country, really, in, in Canada soccer. Yeah, yeah it certainly is, and... Obviously, that buzz is is manifesting itself, and, and a lot of players on both national teams, but specifically the men's national team right now, being rumored to to move or, or change locations. And we have one happening right before the show. Mark Anthony K moving from LAFC to the Colorado Rapids for one million in general allocation money, a twenty twenty two international spot plus incentives as part of the deal. Colorado also get LAFC's twenty twenty two first round super draft pick. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a bit of a surprise one for me. Uh, the Rapids, of course, fourth in the MLS Western Conference. They're a good team, but you know, I thought Mark Anthony K's next move would be to Europe. So seeing him move to the Colorado Rapids is is a bit of a surprise. I also don't think they gave up that much for him. They gave up what a million in, in allocation money, mm-hmm. uh, international roster spot. Is that it? And the uh, the super draft pick can't forget the super draft pick. Well, no, so, they got uh, the super Colorado draft pick got the well. super draft. Yeah, Colorado pick. got the super draft pick. Oh, oh, wow! wow. That's a, a honestly a great piece of business right there for Colorado. I think 
all of us here are really high on Mark Anthony K. He's really started to come into his own. And I am, you know, perhaps the depth that LAFC is, is kind of what won here. But I am shocked, really, uh, at this move and, and the fact that he was able to to go for a relatively cheap price. And this, like as Mitch said, I thought his next move would probably be overseas. I thought he's a player that can net maybe a two, three, four million dollar transfer fee. And I am I'm surprised, but hey, fair play to Robin Frazier's Colorado. I mean, Benedict uh, uh, brought something up which is interesting. Uh, ben says, surely Colorado think they can flip into Europe for more money. Well, why couldn't LA do that? I mean, why <laughs> does LA, I, I would, I would imagine LA's probably got better relationships with European teams because of the amount of players, younger players that have been courted well, all over the big leagues, um, than Colorado. And it, it, I mean, I don't understand that, that chess move, like, you know, why, why? <laughs> so the, the key piece of business here is obviously mm. the allocation money. And let's not like, let's just make it clear. This is a, this is a large amount of allocation money. A million dollars in, you know, under the MLS's salary cap. That's yeah. a large sum and you can do a large, a lot of, a lot for that. And I know LAFC, they're rumored to try and figure out whatever's happening with their third designated player situation. Perhaps this is some alloc- allocation money that can go towards that. Um, but, you know, a million dollars in a summer transfer window you can turn that into a lot of different players, especially again, under the league salary budget. And perhaps with the young designated player rules coming in, the young money signing coming in, maybe this is, this is more currency for them to, to head out in the transfer market. And their side, as, as Jeff has kind of, you pointed out top there, they have a big reputation so they can attract really talented pieces regardless. My, mm-hmm. my yeah, question is who cares? Why, why bother? Inter Miami had like 27 DPs and it doesn't <laughs> seem like people are giving much of a crap about MLS's roster rules. So credit to LA for playing fair, but I don't understand this trade. I mean, Ben is saying LA might want the international slot more than the money, which, which makes sense. Uh, producer Kev is saying, yes, a trade with, with lots of caps and saying Mike <laughs> knows that that's a dream come true. For me. I know Kevin and, and I have and, been talking about that for a while. And Graham said something that I wanted to, to pair it on, which is, I still wonder if Fraser will be coming to Toronto. That was my immediate first thought, because you know that rumor came out that uh, Frazier is about to re-up with Colorado, and a MLS team approached him to maybe sway him, and we all know who that MLS team was. Um, I'm wondering if that uh, sort of puts a, uh, a stop on TFC's pursuit of uh, trying to convince Robin Frazier to come back and... Uh, and take Greg Vanny's uh, mantle after a brief Chris Armis and uh, Javier Perez interlude. What do you guys think? Um, I'm. We'll we'll see. I don't know. I I don't know if if Toronto sees that team, but we'll we'll find out. Um, I never want to I turn Jeff's rumors point. down on this show, yeah. man. I never <laughs> want to just say no because you never know. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is fair. that is a you know maybe a bit of a stretch. Who knows mm-hmm. what'll happen. Um, I don't think this trade affects that by any means, though. I don't think. Well, if we, 
I mean, if we now we need to bring two bags of money to Colorado because if we can get Mac and Robin Frazier, that would be. <laughs> I mean, let's let's do it. Yeah, that would yeah, be amazing, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. Two more two Absolutely. more things on this trade before we should probably move on. Uh, the mm-hmm. international slot is in twenty twenty two, which is interesting. That means evidently they won't be doing anything with that this year. And the other thing is we don't know if there's potentially a sell on clause that has been negotiated within which some deals have. Um, in terms oh of man, LAS there better be Colorado. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's yeah. A good point. we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Um, yeah. But uh, as we've said, I mean, uh, Mark Anthony K. Far from the only Canadian who's probably going to get paid and probably going to move to new clubs soon after just another really strong performance from the Canadian men's national team against Costa Rica in the in the quarterfinals of the Gold Cup, the first time that Canada's won a game at that round since 2007. And look, I mean, we can talk about. Sivanu Stacchio, a whole bunch. We could talk about that incredible Junior Hoylek goal. For me, the thing that stood out to me most and which was massive in terms of that week off Canada had and and everything else was the defensive performance. No shots on goal Costa Rica yep. had that whole game. You saw Canada. I mean, I, I, I was a little worried when they were playing even some of the corner kicks. Like They had like maybe four guys in the box. Everyone else was back. But there was a real commitment from this team and organization to defend in transition that I have never seen before. Like there was one time when I think it was like a three on three and Costa Rican guy got held up for two seconds and all of a sudden it's a three on eight or three on nine, like Canada's Mm -hmm. all the way back. So, I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing that will win you matches in this next round in September, which is really what our eyes are towards. And obviously a massive performance from Canada, as we've said, outstanding. that's what makes this one of the better performances we've seen in recent years. Not that Canada scored their way out of trouble as they have in recent past, but that from start to finish, I mean, this was a consistent effort. Outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. Um, you know, so much ink has been spilled, but uh, we got our platform, so let's, let's spill some more. Uh, I, I mean, I was at the, the miracle at BMO in 2019, so were you. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that had that had a certain David and Goliath. It, 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 things are so different now. Things are so, so, so different now. Like, I mean, I kept thinking about that, that uh, meet and greet at the rec room that KJ hosted for, for footy talks. And uh, you know, one of the most quiet guys in that panel was Stefan Eustachio. Right. And just thinking back, like, you know, to the questions that he would get asked now, I mean, Fonzie was, was the obvious hero. And, and I think Stefan got maybe three questions and and most of them were, were were KJ questions, just just out of you know pity because everybody was asking Alfonso what it was like to you know meet Robert Lewandowski. So, um, <laughs> it's just it you know it it's it's crazy how far we've come. Um, you know, every time I think about that event, Jeff, I just think about mm-hmm. the the Kamal Miller Kamar Lawrence incident that we had. On <laughs> I know, the me show. too, me too. Every time I bring it up, <laughs> every time I bring it up, now. I'm never, ever, ever gonna live it down. It's so bad because I want to talk about that event all the time. I mean, I'll tell you, my buddy, my buddy Gavin, who I was sitting with, he said something really prescient, which was, he said, "Look around, because in a couple years, this ain't happening again. You will not have this kind of access to these players." And he was so right. Um, so it just made me appreciate it that much more, um, you know, and, and it was a great event and, and the experience of being at, at BMO field for that victory over the United States. I mean, I shouldn't be talking about it. It should be Mr. Crybaby over here, Mitch, Mitch Turney, because he was, he was so, so, so happy. And, and, you know, there, listen, credit where credit's due. I think it was Dwayne that tweeted out. Um, there's a generational 
sort of zeitgeist that we olds don't understand that, you know, the, this Canadian, these Canadian players have a swagger that comes from age. They don't know the, the defeats and the heartbreak. All they know is this ascent. And, uh, and it, it's, it's just wonderful to be around. I mean, that team bossed that game. I can't like just thinking back to the level of outplayed that, that Costa Rica were and, you know, say what you will, they're, they're, they're a team on the way out. They're all veterans, but that was their A side other than the Navas. Um, that was their A team and we played them off the park. You know, when, when, when can we say that about Canada? This is, this is an entirely new way to be. And, and wow, it's, it's, it's pretty terrific. Um, I feel like every game Canada plays, Jeff, mm-hmm. they, they break another record. I, you know, the, yeah. the ceiling go. Yeah, absolutely. The, 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 the goalposts change. Right. And at the end of every game, Drastically. there's like, there's like this sort of mea culpa that we do where it's like, well, it's okay if we don't win the next one, you know, because we won that one. And, and, I, you know, pretty soon that attitude's going to turn into like that inexcusable kind of swagger that we, we see in other federations and can't stand, you know? It's like but, but <laughs> they, they went away for that pandemic, mm. missed a year, and all of a sudden just came back like super, like everyone just grew up all yeah. of a sudden and came back. And now the, this Canadian men's national team is, they're making strides to be where they should be, in my opinion. And that's a top three nation in the CONCACAF region. And, mm-hmm. you know, that victory, you know, was it Sunday? Saturday? Sunday, right? Sunday, yeah. Victory on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That victory on Sunday, it just, mm-hmm. it not only, you know, made me feel good about Canada's odds moving forward. Obviously, they have a big test ahead of them taking on Mexico, who is very hungry, by the way, and mm-hmm. obviously coming off a Nations League final loss to the United States, and they're desperate to get back and, and win some silverware. But it also gave me a lot of hope in World Cup qualifying. Because when you think about it, we don't have Alfonso Davies. We don't have Jonathan David. Mm-hmm. We don't have Kyle Lahren. We didn't have Iowa Canola. We didn't have Scott Kennedy. You know, obviously Atiba Hutchinson and oh, some yeah, other names yeah. there. Scott Arfield, if you want to throw him in the mix. There's there's several mm-hmm. names there who we don't have our first choice goalkeeper. Like there are several names there that you can just throw into the mix that are probably automatic starters on this yep. men's national team. And Canada are still finding a way to get the results. Yep. And that for me is a testament to how far this this nation has come because you know we we knew about the superstars for for a few years now we knew about davies we knew about david but now we're seeing the likes of kyle laren really emerging into a superstar we're mm-hmm. seeing some death pieces like you mentioned there leading to ontario native steven estacchio he's coming out man and he is an absolute baller only what 29 years old he still has his, his best years ahead of him 24 24 is he 24 yeah yeah okay. yeah yeah. Even better. Um, yeah, even better. <laughs> Jonathan Osorio. Man, this guy is looking like we know we we've watched Ozo obviously for years, but he's looking more comfortable on on you know the grand scheme of things on the big stage. Mm-hmm. Kamal Miller. I got to commend him because that guy is an absolute baller there at the back. He's a tank there in the tackles. He's a no-nonsense kind of defender, and he has pace mm-hmm. too, which is so yep. important. You know, he was a fullback converted to a center back, 
and he's he's really taken it in stride and i thought he was just outstanding you know obviously steven vittoria joining the mix i can go through this whole roster i haven't even mentioned richie larea or tejan buchanan mm-hmm. you know we can go through this whole roster right now and i think from literally back to front there are pieces on this team to get excited about and i that's Absolutely. something we haven't ever been able to say so just Kesho looked good man those that last little little spell there he looked good i mean if he has to lead the line uh in this in this mexico tie i hope he comes out looking looking as switched on as he did in that in in those minutes at the end of uh at the end of that game because he looked good and and he was just a little bit off and and uh you know i i do think we're going to miss cava especially against the the mexican side i i really do i mean he's he's tailor-made to play against uh liga mx players in in concacaf but uh um, you know, Techo looked good and, and what can we, what, I mean, what else can, what, what more praise can we heap on Tejon Buchanan? It's just, it's ridiculous. It's yeah. I mean, that, you know, his finishing boots aren't quite there, but if, if that's the least of your problems, I mean, you're smiling, right? Like I wouldn't say they're not there though. I wouldn't say they're not okay. there. I, th- okay. I think he has that in his locker. No, I, absolutely. As a, they're not there yet. Okay. I, I correct myself. Yeah. He needs to, um, he needs to develop just, that. Yeah. Good point there, Jeff. Just building off that, obviously the one blemish, maybe two blemishes in this this whole match, even though it was probably one of the best matches ever by a Canadian men's national team side, was the yellow card picked up by Lucas Cavallini and the yellow card picked up by Stephen Vittoria, which means mm-hmm. that neither player will be able to to play in the semifinals for against Mexico, which you know this this squad's already depleted. I, I listed all a lot of the injuries already and people missing. Who steps up here, guys? Who steps up for Steven Vittoria? Who steps up for, for Lucas Cavallini? Jeff, you mentioned there Tesho. Is there another name perhaps besides Tesho that perhaps you know can get their way into that starting 11? Or is it his job to lose? Well, I, I think he's already in the starting 11. And his name starts with a J and ends with a Hoylet. So uh, I, I, I think he's, uh, he's, gonna, he's going to impress again. Uh, playing on the shoulder, causing terror. As long as uh, you've got that three-headed attack um, of the Tejon, Tesho, Junior, I think they'll complement each other. Um, so I, I, do, I do think that's the attack that starts uh, on Thursday. Yeah, I think Tesho's the, the best forward for what Canada needs to do. And that's yeah, if, if they get under pressure, like Tesho can hold up the ball and, and yep. play to those uh, those. Tejans and, and Hoylet and those kind of guys off of him. You could go a little more small ball if you wanted to and go Tejan and Junior up front, but the, the risk obviously would be that, you know, while those guys are great technical players with the ball at the feet, like they're they're not winning the ball in the same way that Tesho can. So obviously, as as we've said, I think Cavallini is a massive mix. Is there a more CONCACAF player on Canada's roster than Lucas Cavallini? And like this would have been a perfect game for him against, you know, a lot of players that he would have played against regularly in, in the past couple of years. But mm-hmm. yeah, the, uh, um, I do think Tesho is the best option, but I did want to pick up on something that, that Mike, you said, and I think this is probably the, the prescient thing coming out of this game is the fact that there isn't, there wasn't JD and Alfonso on the field. And there's there, you know, you could kind of get the feeling over the past couple of years that maybe this Canada team and all of its ascendancy were tied to JD and Alfonso, just having two really, really good players. Some of the best yeah. players in the region, but what this Canada group has proven is that 
yes, those guys are leading the charge, but they're also raising everyone else's level at a significant margin. And we've seen, you know, even a guy like Osorio, again, Osorio's 29, Ustakio's 24. I think Osorio's learning a ton of stuff from playing beside someone like that. Um, mm-hmm. th- this this team is just making itself better and making all of the different players better as a result of, you know, belief, as a result of how good some of these guys are. So that's what really excites me going into... John Herdman, we got we got to shout out John Johnny H. I think uh, it's also a testament to the kind of manager he is, the relationships that he develops with his players. Um, you know, the they how many times did we hear brotherhood in the post game pressers from, from every, you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? And that's important because that's his um, buzzword. Well, I mean, I mean, it's a good buzzword, right? Uh, and and you know, if you've got if you've got everybody willing to uh, run through walls for this guy. We're, we're in, we're in great shape. We're in, we're in really good shape. I, I had a question. So the, uh, uh, Eustachio could have played for Portugal. Do you think he mm-hmm. would have played for Portugal? Do you think he was, he's good enough to be a first teamer on, on, uh, for the Portuguese national team? Not certainly nope. not right now. I think you'd have to have a major move even higher than the, the ones he's rumored with. And then, had some consistency like this Portuguese team is is quite good right now this might be mm-hmm. one of the best ones we've seen certainly in our lifetime since you know I agree Rio years so no I, I think I think he made the right decision certainly playing from Canada for for more than just the, the fact that he yeah. is playing for, for Canada but I will say I mean Stacchio obviously John Herdman um, recruited him he's probably not even playing for Canada right now or or who knows if if he uh, would be if if Herdman's not there. You hear the same thing with Io, right? Like, yeah, it's pretty clear Herdman's got them to to buy into a system. He's got them to buy into a shared mentality here, and obviously, it's it's really transforming what this national team is capable of in in terms of the player quality and and everything else, and just the belief in general. So, yeah, certainly credit to John Herdman and and what he's been doing. Canada, of course, playing in that semifinal at 10 p.m. Eastern at Energy Stadium in Houston, Texas against Mexico. Eight hours it's late. late. It's yeah. late, but I'm cheering it because it's not four in the morning. So yeah. but continue go. your thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight hours to, later, Canada. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Let's put nope. that, that Portugal thing to bed. Like, Renato Sanchez, he can't even get it to the Portugal starting 11. And that's mm-hmm. one of the best up-and-coming, you know, youngsters at, at the holding mid position. So... I think the stock, yeah, would have been really tough in there to, to crack that roster. And mm-hmm. I think he, he definitely made the right decision based on the experience he's getting here with Canada and the, the run of play that he's getting. And, you know, obviously he stepped up proving himself and I think he's marginally perhaps, but he's probably boosted his transfer value, you know, even slightly at this tournament. Oh, because absolutely. So, Absol- yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and he's in the shop window now. I mean, what we've heard the usual, run of like upper third tier to, to second tier European teams as potential destination. He may have cracked the top tier. If he wins player of the tournament, he may have cracked the top tier. And he has a shot. Um, he, has he has a, a shot. shot. If Canada go on, they, they go on, you know, who knows, make, make a deep run. Then he's definitely probably maybe Buchanan. Mm-hmm. They're all going to end up at Besiktas with with the team. <laughs> every last every last one of them. Hilarious, just there. You, you, you. <laughs> I'd like you and you and you. Uh, but uh, you know that wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing if, if our guys are playing club to uh, club football together. 
uh, year in, year out. As That'd long be as they, uh, I mean, as long special. as they don't get sick of each other, that might, <laughs> that, might <laughs> that might happen. But uh, but yeah, I, I mean, you can you can only heap superlatives at that at that performance. Uh, you know, it it was wonderful to watch that that Canadian men's national team do their thing, strut their stuff, not back down. Uh, you know, meet meet Costa Rica and better them. Um, you know, especially given the struggle that the U.S. men's national team had with Jamaica in this in in their quarterfinal, uh, it's 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 unbelievable. I I you know, knock on wood, cross your fingers, but I'm not I'm not that scared of 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 the rest of the bracket. I I I think we've got we've got a, a you know we've got a outside chance here. Uh, I think it's it's healthy to have our our Canadian reluctance to start the swagger but it'll be so much fun when that when that sea change happens and we're all walking around like we're the best thing in the universe and it's like well steven eustachio whatever he, he would he so cares if he made portugal starting 11 he's our guy and portugal can't have him um you want to move on to the to the ladies sure yeah the, the canadian women's national team i mean <laughs> part of why you know we're also docile on this week's show is the fact that they played at <laughs> seven in the morning that's going to get worse they're going to be playing at four in the morning um after that gold cup game the canada plays at 10 p.m the night before so i don't even know i haven't even planned how i'm gonna, Joel I'm gonna cola. play that yet it's yeah Joel it's, cola yeah it's too yeah. it's almost too late to to stay up for the whole thing but too early i don't know at any rate it's gonna be a wild wild yep. lead into the weekend the long weekend for uh, Canadian I mean, if you're fans. if you're serious about it, you start living taxi driver hours now. Like you start switching over <laughs> to nights and sleeping during yeah. the day. I'm not kidding, but you know. Anyway, yeah, it, it's I, it's a slog, and and your circadian rhythm goes off, and it's nuts, and you you struggle. Um, so what what's our me, guys? Yeah, mm. talk to me. What what do you what do you make of this women's national team's performance through the group stage? One win, refresh me on the draws. record. Yeah. One win, two, one win, two draws. They obviously started off the tournament with a, a draw against Japan. I think it was a one-one draw, and mm-hmm. then they got the two-one win Chile. over Chile, yeah. and then the one-one draw again today against Great Britain. So, Mitch, I know you watched some of these games. Well, what are your thoughts overall on on the team's performance so far? Yeah, I mean, I th- I think it's probably been better than I was expecting. To be honest, um, they've scored in every game, which I think is is important, and it's been different goal scorers, which also is important um, in terms of the the biggest issue for this team coming in. Um, Vanessa Gilles is is amazing. She had probably one of the performances of the tournament today today against a, a really really good team GB. Let's let's not get that wrong. I mean, the the quality that they're bringing off the bench and late in that game is is unbelievable, and they still needed a, a pretty lucky deflection goal. I mean, certainly they deserved it, but um, they, they still needed a pretty lucky deflection to to get a result against Canada. So. I actually think they they set up pretty well going into the knockout stages. Obviously, it's going to be pretty tricky. You've got on your side of the bracket Brazil, the Netherlands, and the United States. Uh, we had obviously Claire on last week, and she was talking about how you know finishing second in the group would would be good for Canada because they'd avoid the United States. But then Sweden decided they had other plans and and won the group. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be tricky for sure going forward but i i've actually been pretty impressed with a, a lot of the at least individual performances and and i think this this group's you know set up pretty well going to the knockout stages have you been impressed with coach bev mostly i i thought today 
you know, I, again, considering how big this game was for the, the the bracket itself and the opportunity to to maybe have a bit of an easier path to the medal round, I would have liked to have seen a, a better side from Canada. For they sure. Sat Sinclair, um, which, which I didn't really like, and Fleming came off the bench as well. I mean, I don't know. I would have liked to see you go for it uh, against Team GB. They still almost got the results, or almost got the win, um, which, mm-hmm. which obviously would have won them the group, but yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen a, a little bit more of a, an aggressive stance from from Canada, just because what it would have meant. Both our draws we conceded late, right? The Japan and the and the Team GB. I mean, correct, yeah. So and against Chile, we conceded af- forward? after against Chile. We also conceded after going up two nothing, two one. They also mm-hmm. hit the post after that. So that like, seems to be a, a thing here: is taking yeah. our foot off the gas and trying to park a bus that can't be parked, right? I don't know. I don't know if that was necessarily the case in the Japan game. It's been kind of different in all of the games. Okay. So okay. All well, they conceded against Japan was weak. That I don't was... know, man. That was a nice goal. That was a nice goal. Nice ball over the top. I mean, Sheridan got caught out, but I, I, this has been a debate as to whether it was, it was poor from Canada or good from japan and i tend to i mean i'm wearing obviously the japanese kit right now so <laughs> we noticed them up, we noticed i actually yeah. think that was a pretty nice goal i i thought the finish like you know right idea i thought the finish was weak i thought she didn't hit that strong enough i thought sheridan was just completely out of position i mean she, the girl took it early like mm-hmm. she took it outside the box canada was tracking back i think it mm-hmm. almost caught sheridan by surprise because I don't think that ball was hit strong enough for it to to find the back of the net, in my opinion, at least. Uh, I thought they could have done better there, but hey, it is what it is. I think, Jeff, you're right. That is kind of a recurring narrative with this team. They keep conceding after after going up early, and you know, against not, a team not, like not goal dangerous. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Continue. No, you're good. <laughs> against a team like Brazil, that that you're going to get paid. I mean, they're going to make you pay. They're yeah, a team yeah. that is very talented and especially in a knockout game where you know you, you concede a late goal heading into extra time yeah that takes that takes the wind out of you that takes the wind yeah. out of your sails right so they got to really lock it down there what i do like is the way that bev priestman really set up for this tournament you know she faced a lot of top tier sides heading into this tournament you know mm-hmm. they prepare themselves for this stage exactly which they've gotten to they face, you know, the teams like the Netherlands, Japan. They face Brazil a couple of times. They face England, Wales. Like these are all good nations that they they prepared against. So hopefully, hopefully that translates now moving forward. And and really they uh, they put out their best there on Thursday. Yeah, and they played Brazil as you mentioned a lot in, in the recent past. So that's that's good have as well. We, have we won? <laughs> I don't think we've we've no, beat but them. you still no. have the you still yeah. obviously have the the experience against this team. So there's going to be no real surprises when you're playing them. So that that in itself is a positive. And I will say, obviously, the the late concessions are, are a bit of an issue. But Canada scored first in all three games, which I think is is a positive going forward. And I think that's that is something to build on, obviously. It is, it is, but it feels oh, it feels like one step forward, three steps back, doesn't it? On at least on paper. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I like my sleep, so I've missed <laughs> our, our friend friend of the show, Doctor Rustad. I've met. I, I hear she was incredible. I, I see some of the highlights. I mean, you know, during during the day, it's it's all repeats of the stuff that happened. So I've seen a lot of highlights. Um, 
you know, it gives me pause if we've played Brazil four times and we haven't beaten them four times and we keep rolling out the same the same basic identity. Does it matter that we've played them four times? I want to see what I will say, Jeff, yeah, mm-hmm. is that they've looked better each time they've played them. And I thought uh, the that's all that's all I want to know. Yeah, yeah. And as I long the as... most recent time they played Brazil, I thought they actually, you know, outplayed Brazil, which is drastically different from the She Believes Cup when they got played off the park. Yeah. So yeah, Brazil and and Brazil also hasn't seen Canada's best side where everybody's, you know, in the in the eleven, everybody's playing. You know, Kadisha Buchanan missed all of those uh, matches. Ashley Lawrence, you know, was forced to miss one of those matches. So I think we still don't know exactly what this matchup will look like. That being said, yeah, Jeff, it, it's never good when you look back on the past and you're like, you know, we, we haven't found a way to beat this team. That obviously doesn't mm-hmm. bode well for their confidence, but hopefully they can look within the performance. And I thought overall in that, like I said, the last performance they did well, and that hopefully they can build off that and, you know, get over that hump, get over that mountain and, and move on. Yeah. Well, and we'll find out provided our alarm clocks work. <laughs> to, uh, I have some- I have full confidence that you'll be up to watch it, Mitch. I have zero confidence that I will. I'm telling you that before, right now. Before we move on, just a quick question. Sure. Who's been your standout player for, for the women's national team that's so far at this tournament, Mitch? Hmm. Um I mean it's probably still Ashley Lawrence. I mean another yeah. another game breaking play today from from out wide, you know, wherever they play her. I mean she's the she's the best fullback on either side of the park with, with yep. Canada plays like Really, one of their big questions going to this Brazil game is who they match on the other side of Lawrence because there just hasn't been that balance there because Lawrence is so good and whoever's played the other side, be it Riviere or be it Chapman, hasn't been up to that standard. So I think Ashley Lawrence is is the game breaker for Canada. And yeah, she's been pretty special so far this tournament. I agree with you. I mean, Chapman's my favorite player on the squad, so don't. There'll be no Alicia Chapman slander in this chat. Um, Very different, very different player than Lawrence. I don't. I don't know if they'll. You know, if they. I I mean, I I like what she brings to the game. There's a tenacity, and she's got that low center of gravity, and she'll chase after every ball. You know, absolutely. But uh, I would not put Quinn as a fullback. No, uh, Quinn. Quinn belongs in the midfield. yeah, actually, yeah. Lawrence is probably the best player on this on this team. Maybe Buchanan is up there for you know a shout, but I would say Ashley Lawrence is probably the best player. I still am adamant that she is not best utilized on this team as a fullback. Mm-hmm. I think I personally think that you got to play her in the middle of the park, and everything should go through that Ashley Lawrence because she is that good um, as a six, <sighs> as a deep line playmaker. I, as a ten, as an as eight, a ten, wow, as a I'm ten a, or an wow. eight, in my opinion, okay. yeah, All I right. think she, she can pull strings left, right, and center. Um, as a footballer in general, I think she's probably the best on this team, and I'd like to see her link up there and with with Quinn and Jesse Fleming there in the midfield. I think they would do. De- really, that's a devastating midfield, actually. I, yeah, I like they would that. do some like damage, and like the heart of the park is honestly the most important. Um, especially in the women's game, in my opinion, I think that's where a lot of the matches are won and lost. And you know, they they still do have potential there at fullback to cover at least. Because I don't I don't know how it's obviously very important. Don't get me wrong. I just feel like the middle of the park is really really important and probably a yeah. little bit more important than the fullback position. And I don't know if she's best utilized there. 
especially when you're looking for goals and your runs are so chaotic, right? Like you need, if you're gonna, if you're just gonna like Timbits to the, to the byline, then you need somebody like a Vasquez or a Pozuelo to just ping balls, maybe keep, maybe like a Mac to play him on the floor. It's not even necessarily like mm -hmm. in the final third or going forward. The reason why I want her there is because she's also an outlet for the team. Like it's easier to get the ball to Ashley Lawrence and have her keep possession when she's in the middle of the park where the someone from the left, someone from the right, wherever it is, can pass her the ball through the middle. They can get the ball to her feet as opposed to her being isolated there on the right or isolated there on the left where, you know, not always you can find her as an outlet. I think she does such a good job at holding up the ball and, and connecting with her teammates. I, I think she's, again, she's best utilized there in the middle of the park, in my opinion, at least. But we'll see. Like we'll see how it goes. Man. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to some Toronto FC then, and uh, another <laughs> good week for Toronto or for the Reds. I mean, one-one draw against the Red Bulls, two-one win away against the Chicago Fire. I think ideally you would have flipped those, and <laughs> considering I'm finally getting a win at BMO Field, but nonetheless, I mean, an, another four points in the bank, and that's that's big moving forward, and, and obviously the momentum of this team keeps going. For me, the the thing that continues to to strike me, I think is the smartest thing Javier Perez has done is just how much back to the basics this team is playing. Everyone's playing when they can. Obviously, the fullback situation is one thing, but when they can, they're playing in their proper position. Um, No one really looks out of place, and everyone's started to look a little bit more confident in their role once again. And I think that in itself is, is the way you get a team like this back into a season is not by complicating things, not by trying something wild or, or new. It's just by sticking with what these guys know best, making them comfortable again. And then you can slowly build off that if, if there's need to, but obviously with this roster, I think, you know, it's, it's a really good start. Agreed. I was, I was asked this question yesterday on, on TSN 1050 with each, with each, <laughs> with each, uh, with each mm-hmm. point, each win that TSC gets. What does that say about the Chris Armas era? <sighs> the fact it's that they soon. already have three more points in, in this entire Javier Perez he, era than they do in, in uh, the Chris Armas era. I feel bad for the guy. I mean, you know, talk about being in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong momentum, you know, and then just 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 having a tsunami of garbage just pour over your head, right? And you can't fault the man for taking the job. I mean, your best your best your best friend or your a good friend in 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 soccer circles is saying, "I'm going to vouch for you here. This is a safe space. You've always wanted to work with a bigger budget. You're not you I mean, you got to know your spot, you know, like hand solo. I have a bad feeling about this, but you're not going to turn the job down, right? So, you know, at the end of the day, I think he there's a lot of sacrificial lamb in in the Chris Armas story and and um you know wrong oh, place Jeff, wrong I said time. the Chris Armas era not necessarily Chris Armas what does it say right, about the Chris right. Armas era that it was uniformly bad for everybody and that we'll we'll find out more and more details as 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 history uh uh gives us more of a of a flight path we'll find out how bad it was inside the hotel we'll find out you know just how awful the, the the living experience was, you know, how everybody's emotional state was, was completely out of whack. Uh, you know, did he, again, I, I, for me, Jeff, mm-hmm. for me, yeah. it says that 
Bill Manning, Ali Curtis got this hire wrong and really wrong. And that's just because, Jeff, the style of mm-hmm. play that Chris Armas was trying to implement here at TFC and the current that's roster. Fair. That's right? fair. The roster that TFC had was not meant to be a pressing roster. Michael Bradley was not meant to play higher up the pitch, get up and down the pitch like he had. he was. Clearly, when he's dropped back, this team has looked so much better. I think that's such a huge part of it, as Mitch said, just getting back to sort of basics and getting yeah. back to what this roster was built for. At the end of the day, you know, that might not be the fault of Chris Armas. It could be the fault the of... Fault. Yeah, it's it. you don't hire a systems guy. I mean, Chris is a systems guy, and I think the mistake was looking for a systems guy in the first place, right? Um but hindsight is always twenty twenty, and and you know, we were all very excited at the at the the idea of a of a a, a Gegen Press kind of TFC. You know, it was only after we saw that they couldn't do it <laughs> that that we started. You know, uh, that that we got down off our high horses. But hindsight is always twenty twenty, and that's why that's why I say it's too soon. But I do agree with you. You know, and 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 to his detriment. You know, the the Chris Armas thing has actually made me reevaluate my opinion on coaching in the sport, right? Like, I'm almost in an existential crisis way. Like, why are there systems guys? Do you know what I mean? Like, why, when when people are like, well, it takes, you know, at the end of the day, it's probably a two-year turnaround for the new guy's system and, and his players to come in. I'm like, well, why would you do that? Why don't you just have coaches that are, that, that, aren't necessarily systems guys are a bit more relaxed and are like, all right, this is the roster we have right now. This is what I'd like to play. But leading up to that, I'm not going to square peg round hole anything. I'm going to let my players play. And there then are coaches sort of, like that that exist. But Chris Armas well, just wasn't. Chris Armas is not one of them. He was described it, to me, again, by several TFC people within the organization as someone who is stubborn. And, you know, very nice guy, mm-hmm. very, very good person. But he was stubborn in the sense that he did not want to get away from the type of system that he wanted to play, and that was his Achilles' heel. And, that's, and that was that's, his Achilles' heel. And that, in my opinion, I'm... when you look at what Perez has done, nothing really extraordinary, as Mitch said, just really just getting back to the basics and a simple four-two-three-one, a low block. Like we've seen TFC do it for so long, and he keeps mm-hmm. putting out the same type of players. He doesn't make any magical substitutions. This is literally getting back to what this roster was built for. It doesn't take a genius to do it. It just takes someone who's willing to accept the fact that, okay, this is the pieces that I have. Let's play a certain type of way for this to, to optimize this roster. And I think that's what Perez is doing right now. I yeah. actually think that his coaching on, on, on uh, the Chicago Fire game was a masterclass in adaptability. I, I really, I really do. I really, really, really do. Consider, <laughs> well, considering considering what we I trotted out. Well, considering what we trotted out in the first half, right? You know, his the the attempt to sort of play fullback like non fullbacks out of position as fullbacks. I thought the adjustments that he made towards the second half and in the second half, because we were getting creamed on the flanks by Chicago and it was only a matter. I mean, 13 saves bones bones was standing on his head. So I, I do, I do think that his adaptability um, 
in the second half is is not necessarily getting talked enough about. But I know you're going to shred me, so go ahead. I like, wouldn't like, call it. You're, a, you're at the edge of your you're at the edge of your seat here. You're like, what's <laughs> <stop> talking, Jeff? <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. call it a masterclass by any means. I thought mm-hmm. TFC, regardless, were played off the park. Um, yeah, sure, they had no natural fullbacks on their roster, but at the same time, and I don't want to really rag on him because he wasn't. He was thrown into the lineup right before the game. He was asked to play a position he's really never played before. But I thought, for the most part, Luke saying, "Yeah, not he great. wasn't really." He was left out to dry a little bit there, man. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, someone could have probably gave him a little bit better instruction of mm-hmm. of what to do in in certain positions. I thought there were quite often he was left in no man's land, where there he was indecisive to go close down across whether to not close down across and too often he was doing nothing on a play where the, the, he was beaten easily by the first pass so um i don't know if i'd call it a master class i thought chicago kept their foot on the gas pedal probably for the the duration of this match i know watching it i was like oh my god can we get through oh this? my can god we get through this? can we get through this it was so stressful and unbelievably stressful. fire that's not we're not talking about a, a New England Revolution. We're not talking about, you know, New York City FC. We're we're talking about the Chicago Fire there. So mm. I would use the term masterclass there, probably a, a little bit looser than. Just tell me I'm wrong. Like you don't have to sugarcoat it. Just well, say, I don't Jeff, want to like, say like you're yeah. wrong. I don't want to mm-hmm. say like he did a terrible job. Aww. I just I just wouldn't <laughs> call you. it a masterclass. <laughs> okay. No, I, I do okay. think the team clearly under Prez has been playing a, a much better, more cohesive defensive system in, in overall, I think transitionally it's been better. Um, the, the best thing probably you can say about it in terms of the results, they haven't conceded a first half goal since he's been manager. And I think that's, that's pretty massive considering basically the entire Chris Armas era, they were <laughs> like one nil down after 15 minutes, every game. Mm-hmm. So if, if more than that, so I think that, is pretty important and, and something worth keeping in mind as, as this team moves forward is how much kind of the defensive focus has improved. Yep. Who did who I, did they play at BMO Field? Oh, the Red Bulls. Yeah, the Red Bulls. So first minute of the game against the Red Bulls. I will point this out. The Red Bulls beat TFC's back line. They beat yep. Omar Gonzalez, got in behind, and actually like missed the breakaway. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know if it's perfect there, but results looking back on it, you can't really argue with that. Like TFC have put out the fires when they needed to. They mm-hmm. haven't. They also haven't conceded late goals, Mitch. They haven't. That's a good you know, point too. Yeah. Put, when they're put under pressure, they're tucking in really nicely, and they're not giving up late leads, which we saw very often as well in the Chris Arms era. So I think a lot of it has to do is, as we're talking about the basics, is the fact that we're not pulling ourselves at a position to press, where you know that give, makes you more more vulnerable to just be broken down. Whereas, you know, mm-hmm. we're just tucking in, inviting some of the pressure and trust relying on the fact that our two sixes there, our two eights, whatever you want to call them, whatever they set up in the low block, will be there to support our center backs. And I thought Michael Bradley, and I can't stress this enough, has <laughs> been so good at that. <laughs> yeah. He's mm-hmm. been so good over that span of, of, you know, getting out at the right times. He's been mm-hmm. winning the ball back and he's been keeping possession. You know, he's obviously the first outlet that people go to. On TFC, young center backs like a Luke Singh or even a Chris Mavinga, like Michael Bradley, you see him often drop even behind the center backs to pick up the possession. And that's what TFC used to do. 
And to have that Michael Bradley as an outlet in the back, and then you have Pozuelo and Soteldo as outlets moving forward, now there's areas on the pitch where you know you can keep possession. And you yep. know you can go to very often just to, you know, at least get field position. I think that's been that's been incredible so far. And hopefully they can build off that and put in a better performance than I think we saw against Chicago. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, th- I think obviously the, the defensive performances have been propped up as well, certainly against Chicago by the play of Alex Bono recently. I mean, even against the New York Red Bulls, um, I thought it wasn't as obvious of a incredible performance because he didn't make as many of you know the the game saving stops or the one-on-one saves that we know him to we know him to be making at his best but i think his command of the box has been night and day better in terms of him being aggressive and claiming balls uh you know i think he's he's helped certainly in terms of the organization of that back line and yeah this has been the best he's played in, in years for toronto FC, i think over the last the last couple of games and that's obviously important when when things are turning around and when you've had a bit of a shaky back line is knowing that the guy back there is going to bail you out a couple times a game like that's that's pretty big i agree he looks like he he has his confidence back i mean in 2020 he posted three clean sheets and three appearances mm-hmm. so i mean it can't really get much better than the way he played last season but even last season he was speaking about getting his confidence back and and looking like the the keeper of old and I think at the start of the season, he kind of lost that. Obviously, there's a lot of talk, and we're definitely guilty of that, of, of saying, you know, why is this guy playing? Because we have someone like a Quinton Westberg, who we've all been accustomed to as this team's number one goalkeeper out of the back. But then now, Alex Bono has, has really stepped up, and obviously against Chicago, he is absolutely fantastic. Now, here's my question for you guys, though. Mm-hmm. Is he now the number one, the team's number one goalkeeper moving forward? Because Quinton Westberg was battling a finger injury, and he seems to be back. He, he made the bench for the first time last game, and maybe that's what also motivated Bono to really step up and have put in the performance that he did. Because he's looking over his shoulder, and he knows a guy like Q's coming back. Now that we're seeing TFC revert to TFC of old, let's call it, is Quinton Westberg the best fit for this team in that, or is it Alex Bono? It's funny because obviously fairness hasn't been <laughs> hasn't been a factor in this goalkeeper conversation at all because if everything was fair, Q would have gotten much more of an opportunity early on in the season when Alex Bono was struggling and not playing well. Mm-hmm. But in the interest of fairness, I mean, I don't think you can take Alex Bono right now. He's been such a stabilizing force for this team and such a reason why they're undefeated during the, the Perez era that I, I think right now when, when you're finally – you know, picking up results and finally have a run of form, why change anything that's working for you? Exactly. Exactly. I also think Alex is is trying to like exercise uh, demons of Perez cutting him from the youth squad. I think Perez being his coach is <laughs> like is really, really, really lit a fire under him. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm with you guys. I'm with you guys there. I think Bono has definitely earned at least another start. Mm-hmm. What I will add is I have heard that Perez is a really big fan of Quentin Westberg. Mm. So, you know, maybe yeah, we'll see a little sense. bit of reverse, <laughs> a little bit of reverse. I don't know what you called it, fairness there, Mitch. Maybe we'll see mm-hmm. Quentin Westberg come in and be like, what the heck? Why isn't, why isn't Alex Bono back in that? That's Honestly, the luxury this team has, man. 
Westberg might be related to Perez, but I don't. I still don't think he's getting a start. That's just my impression of of Perez, how risk averse he is, and and how he'll he'll run with the hot hands. So, and that could be just a consequence of Perez having the interim tag and knowing that his seat is per, is in permanently hot situations. So he doesn't want to upset the apple cart, or it could just be you know built into his DNA. I, I suspect it's 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 a lot closer to the to the latter. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think Alex has anything to worry about for a while. Um, oh, definitely earned of, himself another. In start. terms of yeah, in terms of of being the the number one right now, uh, uh, Mitchell is officially on the Jefferson Soltaldo bandwagon. So says the uh, the rundown. Do you do you want do you want to speak uh, a, a little bit about why he uh, all aboard, baby? Of course, of course. So I think last week, um, you know, my main point was that. I needed to see more goals and assists from Jefferson Soteldo in order for him to get to that too good for that for this league threshold that that Mikey set. Then he did like forty thousand scoop turns at BMO Field against the New York Red Bulls, and like I, I that that sold me. Like I realized this is the exact kind of player I love. I mean, he's pure flair. He's got those short shorts. He's got the bleached hair. Everything about Jefferson Soteldo I love. And look, I mean, we've talked so much this year about how much you know, Toronto FC kind of sucked to watch, especially in the early parts of the season where they're really struggling. There was no fun. Like Jefferson Soteldo makes this team infinitely more fun to watch. Even if he's, even if he, you know, sometimes is looking off his teammates and, and maybe not making the, the best decisions in the final third. I think one that's going to come very soon, especially when he has more options, Josie up there. Oso back guys like Richie. Like I do think that, that when he gets some better runs in front of him, that's, that's going to happen. But I mean, you know, this guy's beating guys for fun, and any player that can do that in any league, you know, I'm going to be in their corner immediately. Yep. So yeah. I said that he has the potential to potentially be the best player in MLS. I mm-hmm. said he's too good for this league. I'm going to go even a step further right now. Jefferson Soteldo is the best player in Major League Soccer right now. Right now, masterclass is masterclass. Masterclass situation. In my opinion, right now, he Mm -hmm. is doing things that I have not seen people do in this league, and this league has evolved so much in recent years. It's gotten so much better in recent years, (laughs) and Jefferson Soteldo is coming in and he's moving those goalposts. I I really do believe right now that he's capable of doing things in this league that other people can't. Alex Bono had the infamous quote during his pre- press conference that Jefferson Soteldo can dribble through traffic on the 401. <laughs> and literally... Yeah, but but can he do it on a rainy Tuesday on the Don Valley Parkway? That's what I'd like to <laughs> Because the 401, 401, like, you know, that's like the... the, the I've, seen, road, the, I've seen enough yeah. of this guy that I, I, I know, man. I know this guy is a bonafide baller. I Like, literally, I believe he he's doing things that we haven't seen yet in this league, and I think the best is yet to come. I think he still has a couple screamers left in, in his uh, in his pocket. There, I think he has um, some magic still still in his uh, in his hat. Let's call it his magician's hat. Pause <laughs> <His magician laughs> <laughs> all... the magician. Yep, Jefferson yeah. is you know. Uh, uh, listen, listen. He he does some great things out there on the pitch. I I have spoken a lot about. Uh, 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 my reluctance to fully embrace him as, as, as our Lord and savior, but it's getting, it's getting closer. Um, 
uh, I mean, what else can you say about about Yef at this point? Uh, let's move to uh, our our man Ralph Prizo, who the disappearing man who suddenly found himself back on on the pitch in a, in a red shirt. Um, we yeah. talked about this on on our spaces. That to me was such a team goal. I mean, it doesn't happen if Josie's not on the pitch. Uh, you know, it doesn't happen if Prizo's not in the perfect position to mop it up, Paul Scholes style. So I, I, I really, really enjoyed that goal. I know Mitch did enough to put it in the rundown. So, so Mitch, what do you think about that goal? Well, I think it just really fits the the theme that we've been talking about recently, and that's player confidence. And we saw it with Alex Bono, obviously, how much that's improved his performance. And I actually thought when Ralph Prizo came on in that game, he looked pretty terrible. He was making some bad back passes, some some shaky giveaways, and that's unfortunately been kind of consistent with what we've seen with Ralph and his cameo appearances ever since he got pretty much unfairly dropped from yeah, Chris yeah. Armis' side after an incredible performance against the Columbus crew way back when I tweeted out that exact same thing, man. Yeah. He said, there yeah, you go. yeah. Yeah. And yeah. You know what happened five minutes later? He scored <laughs> and <laughs> literally his confidence soared immediately after that. You could see his head brought up and he was one of the best players at the, uh, on the pitch at the end of that game. So it's, it's just fits that narrative, right? That, that give players confidence and, you know, their performances will improve immeasurably. Yeah, and I have mm-hmm. a. Let me see if I can find this quote from him. Um, so he actually spoke he, uh, about that exact same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The match. Exactly. Um, he, he came clean. He he owned it actually. Yes, and I asked him. I'm like, I, quite honestly, I didn't really ask him about the, his performance. I asked him because it was the first time he was making an appearance at BMO Field actually, because he signed a late last year mm-hmm. uh, when the team right. was in East in East Hartford, and you know, hometown kids. So I asked him what the environment was like. And essentially what he said is he said it was a great environment. When I got subbed in, I just tried to play my game. But I think before my goal, I was not good. I think I gave a couple balls away. I think I was processing things a little slowly. I think I wasn't good at all before my goal. And after my goal, that just took weight off me. And I just started playing a little bit more freely and more just relaxed and more comfortable. And I think after that, I had a better performance. I think that sums up exactly what we we were saying is this guy was putting a little bit too much pressure on himself trying to get back to where he was before being inexplicably dropped from from the lineup. It's just he felt like he needed to prove something out there. And I thought, as he mentioned, he was overthinking things a little bit. That goal happens. And there you go. This this is uh, reset. Yeah. Yeah. This is a guy who kind of looks like he's refound his confidence. He's earned Javier Perez's trust to the point where Javier Perez feels comfortable starting the kid. And I thought, again, even even though he went down with uh, with what looked like to be a cramp, I thought he played well against Chicago. So let's see what what you know the future looks like going forward for this kid. But I think he has earned the coach's trust. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I think it makes that situation in the middle of the park very interesting too, because now you have Ralph, you'll have Oso coming back from the Gold Cup in all kinds of form, and we know what he's been doing this season. Uh, you've got obviously Delgado, who I thought was amazing against the New York Red Bulls, a big part of Toronto FC's late push that unfortunately didn't end in a goal, but looked, you know, about as good as we've seen them play offensively in a while. And obviously mm-hmm. Michael Bradley, who's <laughs> proven to be pretty undroppable in recent years, so. That's going to be a bit of a challenge to to figure all of that, that out as well. Uh, of course, you can shift one of them over to 
to right midfield, but other than Oso, I don't think any of them really <laughs> play very well out there. And even Oso, you don't want him at you know at his best. He's not going to be playing that position. So exactly, yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting one. And Kamar Lawrence will be returning, eh? He uh, mm-hmm. lost to the U.S. last night, so that's going to be a massive that's, addition. That's huge, yeah. For this yeah, TFC it's huge. Team. What Justin a Morrow. fullback! Amazing, fantastic. Yeah. We we could Justin use Morrow went down yeah. injured uh, in in, tra- in you know warm up. We got word after that he was carrying a lot. I guess from playing the the full nineties in, in the the week leading up to that match, and he tried pushing it until uh, what have your press call like the very last moment. And they just made the decision that he wasn't going to be able to go out there and, and really give it his all. So they decided to withdraw him from the lineup. It's what they called as precautionary. Um, but hopefully he's all right. But the fact that Lawrence will be back into the mix, I think, is a very good uh, very good signal for this, this TFC team who desperately need fullbacks. Also, we get Zabs back, Captain Zavaleta, as oh. Yvonne reminded us. Um, yeah, I mean... That could be big, actually. I- do you want? Of course, it could be big. Do do we want? I got some notes uh, that I collected on our rundown from the uh, WTR forums. Do you want to do a quick hits on that, or uh... <laughs> how, how crazy are these? <laughs> they're are not. Getting, they're not that. Are we getting not the that... Jefferson Soteldo skipping out on Venezuela because he's he, uh, yeah? No, no. There's nothing. There's he... nothing that bad. There's nothing <laughs> right. that bad. The general the general consensus. Well, let's start with this. Uh, let's start with with with. Junior Hoylet needs a club. We are a club. He's from Toronto. And he likes all the tweets that we keep putting out suggesting that he should come to TFC. So I'm of the opinion that we just drop a bag of money off at his place and let bygones be bygones and sign him on a TAM deal priority one. Uh, Where do you get that money? A, yeah, with what Tam? What <laughs> Tam are you talking about? <laughs> the deal that we make with Colorado for I don't know. We'll find some Tam. Uh, uh, there's no budget sh- right now in your toilet. So then, are, so then, there's no budget. Like a cheap contract. Yeah, buy no buy the guy a condo. Buy him a condo. The Inter Miami special. The Inter Miami um, way. Uh, That's worked out great for them, by the way. <laughs> do Do we need? Okay, so we have no money. So we're not buying a center back in this window, mm-hmm. which is what everyone on WTR is screaming I wouldn't, about. Like, I don't know if we're not buying a center, unless like it just you'd have to find ways to move around the salary budget if that's what you feel is, is the most pressing need on this roster. There are ways to make it happen. Um, okay. Obviously, I think some money would have to go out for that to happen. I- I think Junior Hoylet is the most pressing need on this roster, but I am in the minority. I'm sure you well, would mean, say that Junior Hoylet would be amazing, but at the end of the day, it comes down to how much are you getting the player for, and mm-hmm. what what's his price tag. And the reality is, you know, there's no, there's not enough uh, salary budget right now with this TSC roster. They were tight coming into the season, really tight up against the salary budget, and then they added Dom Dwyer, who I'm not expecting to come in at a lot of money. Um, they added Kamar Lawrence who I am expected coming at a decent yep. amount. And they decided to bring in Jefferson Soteldo in the primary transfer window instead of the secondary transfer <laughs> yep. window, yep. which cost another 250000 on the salary budget. So I, I I can't imagine this team has much room, really wiggle room to, to make some moves. Also, they don't have roster space. We don't have a roster there's space. There's people exactly. on the roster right now who can't be activated because there's no roster space. 
So again, there would have to be a lot of pieces going out for, for pieces to come in. Or condos to be bought. Um, so then the next question is, what's up with Julian Dunn and Rocco Romeo? And I, I actually answered this in the forums, but I think it's important to, we're not going to scream it from the mountaintops because we're not at training. But at the end of the day, if they're not getting minutes on this raw, with the roster in the state that it is and, and the, and the defensive woes that has to suggest something we, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to say that they're not ready for prime time, but the suggestion that they aren't is a pretty strong one at this point. Wouldn't you agree? I actually asked Perez about Julian Dunn um, last press conference, I believe it was. And essentially, well, I'll tell you this right now. I don't think Javier Perez is a, is a guy who at this point in time is going to be going out of his way to play the kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's not even a guy who likes making substitutions in a match. Again, Ralph Preso got his opportunity. Luke Singh's getting played all over the park, which is insane. I mean, it is, it's a, it's hey, a weird Ralph, disconnect. Ralph Preso right? got his opportunity mm-hmm. because who was RO when it went down injured and Mark Delgado was forced to shift to right back. Therefore, mm-hmm. you had a spot in the center of the park to, for someone to come in. Luke Singh got his opportunity because there's no other fullbacks on the roster and Justin Morrow got withdrew, withdrawn um, right before warm-up and there's no other option there. So the way that you, you get the kids into the lineup is really going to be through injury. And that's what Perez said to, to me when I asked about Julian Dunn is Julian Dunn is right in that, that category of other guys there that are waiting on the bench is that be ready. You never know when your opportunity is going to come and when it does come, you know, try and try and take it. But yeah. Julian Dunn's not taking minutes away from Omar Gonzalez or, or Chris Mavinga right now. Okay. Um, he also missed the first, what, how many months are we into the season now? Like three, four months of the season with the hip injury. What are months? What, are, what, what is time? <laughs> He's also coming <laughs> off an injury, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, he has made the bench the last three games uh, for TFC. So there is, you know, some solace there that he is being included in the 18. Okay. But again, he falls under that category of right now, TF, what TFC need are wins, and it's not the right time to experiment with the kids. So that's what I'll say about Julian Dunn. Well, Rocco that, Romeo, uh, uh, that's, <laughs> that may fall under the he's not quite ready yet to, to be a first-team impact right. player. And, and people, people are confused because of the lone stints in Europe, right? And they think you know they're almost assuming that the level – at uh, what was it, Kolga, whatever team he played on? HB Koje. HB Koje is that much higher than MLS, which I think is kind of arrogant presumption. It may actually be. It's not even close. Exactly. Yeah, Um, it is. That's Euro snobbery. And he also didn't get a lot of minutes there. So, you know, it it is what it is. Um, You know, and then it's funny that you say he's not – Dunn is not taking minutes from from Omar because Omar hasn't looked very good out there. Um, you know, is it is it simply club seniority or is it the fact that that Javier Javier is a interim coach? He's not playing a kid over uh, a, a center back that's making as much money as as Omar is. Like the ceiling well, I, for I Omar. Omar mm-hmm. hasn't looked good, but the replacement level below Omar Gonzalez. Is it a precipitous drop? Yeah. Isn't, okay. yeah. Is it better than what Omar Gonzalez is given right now? Like, that's the question you got to ask. And 
Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that it is. Uh, yeah, quite burden. I'm, I'm all for playing the kids. I, I, I think, you know, I like getting kids in the lineup, but the fact that TFC need to win games right now, for me, that that drop-off is, is too steep right now. And Omar's, Omar's out there for more than just his obviously on-field performance, like in, in terms of his ability on and off the ball, like Toronto FC needs that leader back there and no one's going to quite provide that like Omar will. So as much as sometimes he's the guy getting beat, like he's also making sometimes. sure that other guys <laughs> are, are in their <laughs> positions and, and playing the right role to maybe even recover for him when he makes a mistake or just in general, right? So I think uh, from that perspective as well, um, with the options you have right now, I I don't think you can take Omar out of the lineup. Okay. Okay. You're answering a lot of the WTR form uh, <laughs> cyclical cyclical. It's not going to make them any happier, I don't think. But it's <laughs> 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 but it's it's always good to yeah to address those sort of things. Um, I guess let's finish mm-hmm. up here with the the game ahead on Sunday, seven thirty at EMO Field. Still still love that I can say that. Um, always great too. Got my tickets. Nashville. Nashville. Got my skis shined up. Got a stick yeah. of juicy fruit. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> Uh, Nashville, gosh, this is the first. No, we faced them since, or we have faced we? them. Yeah, we faced yeah. them. Yeah, okay. they lost 3 2 earlier in the season. Yeah, say. yeah, yeah, I remember that. Like, I remember that. yeah, yeah, I remember so, that. So, yeah, a bit of a bit of a boogeyman team for Toronto FC. I think they haven't beat them yet. So, um, that would obviously be a be a good one for them to to be able to pick up some some points obviously a win i think is is pretty paramount at this point you need to start winning your home games we talked about how you know they they picked up the draw at home and and again very strong performance against the red bulls but you got to start winning your home games if you want to get anywhere near the playoff situation again absolutely nashville's a tough side because their their attack's starting to click now um mm-hmm. Who is it? It's a veteran. Uh, Sapong? Is that is that their uh, CJ Sapong? I want to say Sapong. I think that's their starting striker right now. And he's uh, he's starting to click. Um, you know, Canadian Alistair Johnson is a great, great presence for that team. And, of course, uh, ooh, is, is Walker even going to play? Is he, so Walker's is he healthy? Not gonna, no, Walker's hurt, probably not yeah. going to play. We and are winning Al- this game. Al- Alistair Johnson is probably not going to play still on. Well. He's still on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Wow, so they're doing they're doing good, missing a whole lot of guys to international duty. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah, no, well, they, they're, they're yeah. on good form. Solid run of form. So yeah, they're what second in the Eastern Conference right now. Mm-hmm. I believe that's I believe what they so, are, yeah. and their their identity has been for so long. It's just a team that's really tough to break down. Mm-hmm. They're really stingy there at the back and. You know, TFC's biggest worry right now, in addition to, I still would put conceding goals early as, as one of their biggest worries, but where where are they getting their goals from right now, TFC? Obviously, the, the addition of Soteldo and Pozuelo into the starting 11 help. Dom Dwyer it does not look like a player who who's goal-threatening at all right now. Nope. So hopefully Josie Altador is fit enough to you know, start the game and, and give them some decent minutes there and if that's the case, then I, I, I give TSC a good shot here at coming away, and especially if you add Kamar Lawrence back into the mix at, at fullback, and if Aro's healthy to go, then, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't see uh, any reason why TFC can't find a way to, to pick up three points there at BMO Field. 
it's an interesting point. I think Josie has to start this one because if Nashville gets an early lead, they'll bunker and we're doomed. So I, I do think that it can't be the Dom Dwyer show uh, at the outset to this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would echo that and and obviously hopeful that Josie can start and Kamar can start because then, and Auro as well, because then what, you're like two pieces away maybe from your from your best, 11 or what we consider the best 11 for for this team and mm-hmm. obviously that would be exciting to see because we've talked so much about oh how will this team look if we can get all these guys on the field together but this might actually be one of our best opportunities in a long time to to see them all on the pitch together which again in front of the home fans which I do think has been a massive boost for this team's confidence and this team's uh, ability to get back in in a good run of form um, I, mm-hmm. I think yeah, this is this would be a great time to do it, and if you could pick up a, a result against Nashville, that, that that would be a game changer for the season. I think Sunday I, I of a long weekend. Sunday yeah. of a long weekend. It should be a, a great atmosphere down there by BMO Field. So looking forward to that one. Me and too. like like Mid said, you know, get loud out there because this team hasn't played in front of fans really, aside from the last like two matches at BMO Field for almost two years now. So guys, go out there, give them some love, get rowdy, get loud. I, I want to hear, you know, BMO Field really feel like fifteen thousand there on, but, on but Sunday. Keep after. your masks on and avoid and and observe mm-hmm. all COVID protocols, Mike. Of That's course, important. Don't of tell course. everybody to go crazy, or we're all going to be throwing <laughs> smoke bombs at each other, and it's going to get. And you'll be watching the bacchanalia from the safety of a press box while I'm down there in the in the muck, going, Michael <laughs> Singh, what was, what was what were you thinking? <laughs> Well, yeah, it could be could be quite the week ahead. I mean, obviously, Yvonne, and we'll, we'll knock on wood here, the Gold Cup final is also Sunday. So, um, And, you know, like we said, Canada playing a pretty important game on the women's side on Friday. This is this is going to be a big week for, for Canadian soccer oh, yeah. in general, a pretty pretty monumental one. So let's uh, – I think we should wrap things up there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, on behalf of, of the Homestand home Sports team, Kevin, Sophia, Edwin, um, really appreciate everything they do. Jeffrey P. Nesker, Michael Singh, thanks so much for, for listening and watching, everyone, um, wherever, whenever you take in this show. Until next Tuesday. Cheers, guys. Cheers.